0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we're going to be covering the most prestigious award ceremony in the scientific calendar, the Ig Nobel Prizes. Now, we're going to be focusing this week on the Ig Nobel Prize for Physics 2020, giving the attention it deserves for researchers from Australia experimenting with earthworms and Getting them to represent standing waves, Faraday waves to be precise, using a speaker. And the answer is somehow connected to the nervous system. We'll listen more as we explore the Nobel prizes. Though it seems that time might have lost all meaning in this year of 2020, It is in fact september and that means it's time for the most prestigious and important event in all of the scientific calendar yes it's time for the annals of improbable research together with the harvard radcliffe society of physics students and the harvard radcliffe science fiction association to present the annual ignoble prizes which have been awarded every year since 1991. there's an award ceremony a lecture series and of course a great show put on as part of the presentations of these awards. And the Nobel Prizes, as we've spoken about and covered many years here on this podcast, is an award designed to recognise the achievements of scientists. Now, often you might see scientists publish groundbreaking papers in nature, we may even speak about them here, get splashed all over the news, making headlines and mass media speculation or response to their work. But most of the time, science isn't really splashed into headlines sometimes the studies that people are digging into can seem quite unusual or quaint or even strange. But the Ig Nobel Prizes, unlike the the high-end, highly publicized, highly well-known Nobel Prizes, the Ig Nobel Prizes are there to recognize the hard work and tireless research of researchers at all levels, really. In particular, those that ask questions that people didn't necessarily know that they wanted answered. People who answer questions that make you laugh at first when you hear the paper or the research that's been discovered and then think about what it tells you. In this way we explore the science of the lesson known. The ideas that would have otherwise been overlooked had it not been for brave researchers asking questions that nobody else even thought to ask. That's what we celebrate with the Nobel prizes and that's what the great team at the annals of improbable research and harvard radcliffe society of physics have been doing for many many years now and they put on a terrific show which is often available for you to stream if you're so interested which i encourage you to check out now in the past some winners have included studies about well let's say dung beetles navigating based on the stars which is a fascinating thing to think about but this year we're going to be focusing on a couple of interesting stories including some great work right here from australia Nobel Prize for Physics, and there are a number of different categories. We'll go through some of them this year. But the Physics Award this year was given to Ivan Maximov and Andiri Podovsky for researching, to quote the technical term, determining experimentally what happens to the shape of a living earthworm when one vibrates the earthworm at a high frequency. Now that might sound like a lot, but we're just going to go through that really briefly and slowly to make sure you caught it. Because what even and Andriy did was they took earthworms, just regular ordinary worms from a fish bait shop, and they put them onto a speaker and subjected them to varying frequency ranges. And what they observed in these worms when they did this is the formation of standing waves, Faraday waves, in basically the bodies of the worms. Now what's going on here is an interesting exploration on theoretical physics turned into experimental physics. Proving long-understood concepts in the theoretical sense and applying them to the everyday life in the form of the simplest of worms. Now, a Faraday wave is an important thing to understand first here because that's what these researchers are effectively investigating: the ability of a material to form a standing wave on a surface due to acoustic or vibration. The idea of a Faraday wave is well known since Michael Faraday himself first postulated it all the way back in 1831. Now, in the initial example, they took a layer of liquid and placed it on top of a vertically oscillating piston. Basically, the piston moves up and down, and then in that layer of liquid, you could observe a pattern of what appeared like standing waves at around half the driving frequency more or less depending on the stability of the signal another way to think about it is if you imagine a string you can know that it's possible to induce a standing wave in that spring where you vibrate it to a frequency and you can see that wave actually having a consistent pattern there that's a standing wave in in basically in two dimensions you can create with a string that's the principle by which like things like a guitars violins or you name it work now If you take that principle and apply it to a liquid or a collection of particles on top of a speaker, you can also create a similar thing. And this is used quite effectively in a lot of advertising because it looks spectacular. One notable company used their speakers and put things like tomatoes on top and ejected them and bounced them into the air and vibrated them in certain patterns due to the certain frequencies that they were playing on the speakers. Now that's a cool effect for advertising, but it's actually really interesting to understand the physics of the vibration. It can also produce some amazing patterns where particles or liquids form these intricate patterns as a response to the vibrations from certain frequencies and sounds. Basically, due to the harmonics, you end up with these interesting patterns forming on the surface. Now, it doesn't just rely on people having speakers and a whole bunch of liquid or small particles with liquid inside them scattered across the place. Animals have also been known to utilize the same effect. In particular, alligators can actually use it to call mates. They, They basically vibrate their lungs at low frequencies, slightly below the surface. Now, this induces surface standing waves and they're basically Faraday waves. And you can see the splashing effect being produced on the surface, and they use that to communicate and attract mates. So look, Faraday waves are old hat, so to speak, and are very interesting. But what the two researchers, frankly from Swinburne University here in Melbourne, Ivan and Andre were looking at, was how can we study whether or not these waves can be induced in a body that is made up of liquid. Now, a human obviously is 70% water, and earthworms or worms, they also contain a lot of liquid. Now, why a worm? Well, a few reasons. The first is that earthworms, or at least in Australia, aren't regulated animals for the purposes of research, which means that these research didn't need to go through complex ethical review processes from institutional animal ethics committees in order to do these studies. That made doing the study actually possible because otherwise I would have to sit down and convince a large number of people about this crazy scheme to put some worms on a speaker and vibrate them. So using worms was also good because a worm can be effectively mathematically modelled as a cylinder. Now if you've ever done any fluid mechanics you would have often heard how physicists and engineers love to approximate things as a rough shape, in particular let's say taking an object and saying, well, we could just assume that's a rectangle or or a cylinder. Or, for example, assuming that a cow is a sphere. Now, this might sound absurd, but it makes doing mathematics, fluid mechanics, actually possible for an undergraduate engineer and not requiring huge amounts of supercomputing time. But a worm actually is more or less a cylinder. Uh, modeling a worm as a cylinder is actually a very good approximation of it and that enabled the researchers to actually put together a pretty comprehensive theoretical model of what would happen inside the worm knowing the worm's consistency and density of water and then applying a theoretical simulation of the vibrations induced underneath and seeing whether or not the worm would possibly able to exhibit the phenomenon of a standing wave a faraday wave inside of it and that's exactly What they did, they built this complex mathematical model, they ran all these simulations, and they said, yep, we think it will work. course now they had to do the actual experiment they went down to the local fish and bait shop and put a whole bunch of worms then they set up an interesting apparatus by which they had a teflon plate above a vibration speaker source and they shot a laser and had obviously a photo detector on the other side the laser was shoot at the worm to measure it in high precision the photo detector there was to capture the reflection of the laser They also had a camera to observe the worm for good measure. But basically, what they could do then is generate a signal, amplify that and vibrate that through the speaker and the plate, and then through the photodetector on the worm, actually measure the signal output to see if it had the expected change in frequency that would be introduced by the Faraday wave. Now, this again is a complicated setup, but it's effectively putting a worm on a plate on a speaker and shining some lights at it to measure it. And then plugging all this data back in that they've measured and comparing it to the theoretical models of a cylindrical object filled with water and how they oscillate. Now, of course, Faraday's waves don't just happen at any point. You actually need to get to the right frequency levels to do that. And they did actually, funnily enough, record that transition point where the Faraday waves took effect. One of the fascinating things about this is, of course, now knowing these key frequencies of vibration for an earthworm, you can actually try and figure out the resonant frequency of a worm. Or at least a particular species of worm. but The authors of this study note that there's obviously some conjecture and debate around plausible values for the Young's modulus, E often called, of an earthworm because it could vary quite markedly from species to species and of course there's an active debate about the actual mechanical properties of worms and how effectively to measure them. But leaving that aside and Trying to discover what actually is the Young Modulus of a Worm is another subject probably for another ignoble prize in the future. They saw a type of resonant frequency around 38 Hz and 43 Hz, depending on where they put their guess around what the Young's Modulus of a Worm may be. For the record, they think it's somewhere plausibly within the range of 8.3 to 8.9 megapascals. For comparison, by the way, just so you're aware, Steele's Young's Modulus is around 180 gigapascals, so that's 10 to the 3 more than the Young's modulus of a worm, in case you were worrying about the differences between worms and steel in terms of structural strength. Now the research conducted this study on four common species of earthworms. They also made a fake worm, a small tube filled with water, and actually tried to produce the same results. And they did actually show that it was possible to actually produce these kind of submonic resonant frequencies and create Faraday waves inside a body that had water inside of it and this is important because lots of different biological cells and living organisms are mostly made of fluids and we might all be in the right frequency conditions actually possible of exhibiting these Faraday waves. Now okay that's a bit nuts no one is actually suggesting that's really that useful on its own but what could be useful? is actually trying to understand and use this technique to actually study the spreading of different types of signals through living systems, And the authors actually point out two key areas where they see this potentially being useful. Now, they could actually potentially verify and validate what's known as the solution model of nerve pulse propagation. Now, a soliton is sort of like a self-reinforcing packet or pulse of data for use of transmission or vibration, another way to think about it. And if nerves are using this type of pulse to propagate and send signals out through the nervous system, that's pretty interesting. Now, we haven't actually been able to validate or verify that that's the case, because mechanical simulations often been used to excite nerve impulses, but they haven't actually been able to show that the solid model of this actually is what's going on. Now, if they could form a soliton in the nerve and get it to travel through and propagate all the way back to the brain, that would validate that that's actually the mechanism that nerves are using, or at least maybe one of them. If they're able to actually generate a soliton in a nerve fiber, that would pretty much unlock a whole new area of nervous system research. Okay, so what does that have to do with worms? Well, Faraday waves have been generated in worms in this sort of 200 to 300. Hertz frequency range and that's got a pretty big overlap with the natural nerve impulse range. So theoretically the researchers suspect that maybe they could use this as a launching board to help get some groundbreaking research into the study of the transmission of signals through nerves. The worms though in this experiment were anaesthetized with some ethanol so they weren't generating any nerve impulses of their own naturally at that time. But perhaps You could even observe this by generating counter signals inside or counter vibration frequencies that might create cohesive or destructive interference with these nerve impulse waves traveling through the worm's nervous system. That would probably be, let's say, the next step of the research that these researchers were looking at. So this study is a good example of why the Ig Nobel Prizes are important. Because Ivan Maximov and Andrei Potovsky we're actually doing this research, publishing it in scientific reports, and that's all well and good. Some people may have read this way back in May when it was published, but by getting it awarded in the Ignaibor Prizes, it brings a lot of attention to their research and sort of sparks that conversation with other researchers, perhaps those studying nerves, perhaps those studying verbs or speakers or you name it, and can help lead to new understanding and new questioning and open up new areas of inquiry. That's one of the reasons why the Nobel Prizes are so useful is that it brings a media spotlight to this, at least which is helpful for the researchers themselves and perhaps the questions they asked, but it's also very useful because some of the people most interested in the Nobel Prizes themselves are other scientists, often doing interesting research. And it can often raise questions and make them look at their own work more differently or perhaps take a different approach, which is far outside the traditional orthodoxy that they may have considered this kind of research is important because yes, we can follow down the replication, reproduction or counter investigation model of scientific research and publication. But sometimes we need to take bold stabs in strange directions like putting worms on speakers to try and study the nervous system. But that's really what we need to do from time to time in science to open up questions that we didn't know we need answered. And that's why the Nobel Prizes are so valuable. Now this is some great work published in the journal scientific reports the winners of the ignoble prize for physics in 2020 even mashimov and andrei potoski this has been the young scientists of australia's podcast lagrange point this week we wrapped up some interesting research that won the ignoble prize for physics in 2020 finding ways to vibrate worms to create standing faraday waves our ending theme was composed by audio Anatics. head to ysa.org.au for more information about the young scientists of australia